Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Brazil, where the Back to Jerusalem team has just arrived for us to do an amazing tour. And actually, we've just come off the back end of a tour in the United States. And uh, Will was together with um, the Back to Jerusalem team, Brother Yun and Brother Ren. And he has just returned back home, and we're just kind of wanting to do a debrief together, the two of us, about you know what's taken place during the tour, uh, what we're happy about, what we're sad about. And uh, I thought that it would be really cool to include you as the audience of Back to Jerusalem to kind of hear about how the tour went. Uh, you there, Will? I am. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. We tried to do this last night when you were waiting for your transfer flight, and it did not work out well at all. But, brother, it's good to hear your voice. So glad that you're able to uh, take this time and do a podcast together. Yeah, it's great to be back with you on another podcast. Um, I'm pretty convinced that the DFW airport is, like, messed up with their Wi-Fi <laughs> because I think I've had that problem before. Yeah, it's gotten better. Uh, DFW has gotten better. The Dallas-Fort Worth airport has definitely gotten better. Uh, they've been going through 150 years of construction. Uh, almost every time I've flown into that stinking airport, it's been under construction. However, the construction feels like it's paying off. I mean, by the time they finished, it was already outdated what they were building. But it's kind of cool <laughs> that uh, all of the different terminals that they have at the Dallas-Fort Worth now has some really cool restaurants. So, I mean, you got, um, I, you know, like, I don't know if it's TGI Fridays per se, but they kind of got like a TGI Fridays setup. They got these local brisket places. They got, um, you know, your common McDonald's and Subway. There's a lot of restaurant choices now at DFW, and that makes me happy. I'm always happy when I arrive at an airport that has lots of food choices. I don't understand American airports that just don't invest in their restaurants and the one that makes me the most upset is bat uh, not baton rouge uh new orleans new orleans should have the best food at any airport in the world in my opinion and their choices suck some freak show got in there i'm certain of it. it was like let's just bring in mom and pop places no big no big corporations and so as a result they've got substandard servers they've got crappy food and extraordinarily high prices um it's just it, it's one of the worst airports outside of newark newark and and uh, uh new orleans those are probably the two those are two airports that i'm just not a big fan of yeah, and for those of you who just turned in, welcome back to the Food Channel. I mean, um, <laughs> right, this is a BPJ podcast, I think, on the floor, right? Or where are we going with this? Anybody that's traveled for a while know that there's a couple things that you like to talk about if you travel. One is airports, two is food and customs, and three yeah. is toilets. 
Those are the three things that basically any common traveler that travels around the world, you end up talking about. Those three things. And before we move on, I need to say one more thing about the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport because um, I need to give them credit. They do have a Chick-fil-A there now, too, so that's an awesome thing. Yes, and, yes. Um, they they props. provide amazing Big entertainment props. because last night while I was sitting at my um, gate ready to depart, they caught a um, luggage tractor on fire right outside the window where we were watching it. So we got the video of that and watched nice. it burn up a tractor right <laughs> under the wing of an airplane that was supposed to depart right beside this so that was uh it, they have great entertainment there nice there and you know they also i i went through there last sunday i flew through dallas fort worth um on my way to newark um coming from la so i did la dallas fort worth newark and um they it was a sunday and they had chapel service for Christians. I think it was the first time oh, that wow. not only did I see a chapel service taking place for Christians, like a full-on church service, they made an announcement at the airport um, saying anybody that would like to join the Christian um, multi-denominational uh, you know, church service, it was available in the chapel. And I thought, wow, kudos. So, yeah, Dallas-Fort Worth, definitely four out of five stars, if not five stars. Great, great airport. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, we just finished um, our fall 2019 tour um, where you came down from the northwestern part of the United States, hitting different places. Uh, how did that go? How, how was the tour? I think overall the tour went exceptionally well. Uh, we did play into Seattle and just kind of made our way down to um, San Diego and flew home from there. I think if I have it right, we stopped at eight churches along the way and had um, really, really good reception at most of those places. And I think if, please correct me if I'm wrong, I think we were able to raise about 65000 in support, give or take? Yeah, um, right now I think we're around sixty-seven. dollars um, I just got a report of some more that came in, and we still have some of the online giving that Church has collected that is outstanding yet that has not come in. So I'm expecting a um, a couple more thousand from that. So I think we're going to hit probably somewhere around 70000 plus, which is an exceptional amount because um, it was a very short tour. We normally do three Sundays. Yep. And two full weeks. And we only did one Sunday and um, two part weeks. So I think a total of about 10 days, eight churches. That is exceptional. For everybody that is listening to this podcast that came out to the meetings and donated and became a part of that fundraising effort so that we could raise money for our Pill Size Bible, thank you so much. Uh, we are so thankful for your support. We're so thankful. And I know there's a lot of people that came to the meeting having already heard Brother Yun's testimony, but they wanted to come out and support the Back to Jerusalem vision, the mission, the underground house church in China. And I have to tell you, your support is humbling. Thank you so much. Um, for us, about $15 is what we will see uh, for uh, the amount that to uh, support for the, the small hologram bible and so for us to raise just over sixty thousand um is you know about four thousand units that's huge for us so thank you so much yeah thank you and i just a special shout out to um abiding place the last stop because that one um brother Yuan loves to ask people you know have you read my story and usually there's somewhere between half a dozen to a dozen maybe a few more people that raise their hand in the audience and the last stop on tour at Abiding Place, it was amazing because probably 80 or 90% of the people raised their hand that had read his story. So the majority of people already knew him. 
we've been there multiple times, but they still came out to um, support us, and it was an amazing time with them. Yeah, and you know, there are there are churches that we go to multiple times, and uh, sometimes, you know, it, it kind of feels like, okay, should we be visiting this often to this fellowship? Are they getting tired of us? Are we wearing out our welcome? I've never felt that with Abiding Place. They have been a true partner with Pastor Mark. Uh, it has been a privilege to partner together with them. And I'm friends with many of the members of Abiding Place on my Facebook page. And I, I really feel the love. I feel the love. I feel the support. I feel the, the, the kindred spirits there. And, uh, yeah, so thankful. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're from Abiding Place, yeah, thank you. Really, really touched by your, by your friendship. Now, and, um, yeah, I mean, some of the repeaters were amazing. Um, and some of them were, I shouldn't say they weren't amazing. They were amazing. For example, we showed up at Bethel Lyrica, the Assemblies of God, which um, we have a great relationship with them, and they support us monthly. And we had a really, really amazing um, service with them last year. This year, we counted a total of 27 people showed up, and that was including our team. But it was incredible what came out of that small group of 27 people, the reception, the offering in comparison. I mean, if we had a response from every church as much as we did from that small congregation, we would have raised probably, you know, 200,000 plus. And so it, it, it's amazing um, what we get out of some of these repeat churches. It's amazing some of these churches we have long-term relationships with, and it just blesses us. You know, um, one of the things that I feel that God shared with me several years ago when I first started putting together these, or I should say re-putting together these Back to Jerusalem meetings, uh, was don't go after big names. Don't go after big churches. Don't, don't be starstruck by um, some of these well-known, fancier churches that have a lot of uh, limelight and luster. Go after the heart. Connect with people on a brother-to-brother level. And I will provide. That's what I heard the Lord say. And mm-hmm. I, I, if you take a picture, it, this is kind of hard to say, but it's true. If you take a picture of 27 people at a meeting, those that are looking at your website, looking at your Instagram post that are wanting you to be an Instagram star... Um, they're going to look at that and be like, wow, dude, you are a failure. If you, and even, <laughs> even if you are a part of a small fellowship, sometimes we'll take a picture, a photo with our phone and try to crop it in just the right way to make the crowds look bigger than they actually are. But I, I really feel that is not where the Lord wants us. He's not about how, I mean, Jesus in that way would look like a complete failure when he only has 12 disciples at the end of his days, at the end of his ministry, one of them which betrayed him and ended up committing suicide. So there's, you know, one chalked off the list. Now you're left at 11. Not really a success story. Um, uh, but Not from our, our perspective, not from no. the eyes of the world, absolutely not. No. Not in the eyes of the world at all. It's You definitely don't get a book contract from that. Uh, but we see that God transformed the world with these simple men that were not thought of as being much, but ended up doing so much to transform the world for the gospel. Uh, Jesus didn't write anything. He didn't record anything. He didn't do any selfies or YouTube videos to leave behind for us to watch or listen to. He didn't write any books for us to read. He left all of his 
power in his story with these simple men who had no experience with doing marketing or uh, networking. And they were incompetent in every single way, and yet God used them. And I, I believe that's kind of where God wants us to look for the heart of men and, and to be connected. I was just doing a, um, a meeting together with um, um, uh, Heidi Baker. And, uh, and I think I might have even shared this with you. When people were asking me about, you know, how do you go about with uh, people in ministry when there's a fallout or there's a, you have to fire someone or whatever. And I was, I, I honestly told them, I don't really, I can't really identify with that too much because the people that I'm connected with are people that I have a heart connect with. Like there's just something on a deeper level. You connect in a special way. And whenever you have that, don't let it go. Um, you might think that it's just a gut feeling, but I think a gut feeling is the best way that sometimes we can explain the Holy Spirit moving and speaking to us. We know that it's right and we can't really explain why. I believe sometimes that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And I've, I've moved on that gut feeling with several relationships that I have in my life now. And I've openly said, I feel like I'm partnered together with people that I love and I think love me. Uh, in the same way when I was in the military, I would give my life for anybody that I served together with. And I think, I don't know, but I think that you know most of them would give their life for me. I, you probably wouldn't, but many others would. But I, when, I, I, when I'm you know, talking with people about the individuals that I get the privilege to serve and live life with at Back to Jerusalem... It's very much like the people that we connect with in ministry. When we go to a place like Wairika, it's not because we're looking to rake in thousands of dollars and get our name exposed to millions of people. It's because we have a heart connect. And it was amazing to see the response. Percentage-wise, there were a lot of people that signed up for the Back to Jerusalem newsletter. Uh, financially, even, there were people that reached down deep and gave to the ministry to be able to see the gospel go into the unreached areas of the world. That, to me, is a home run, no matter how you paint it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I would much rather, um, even at meetings in a ministry, you know, partner with, you know, one or two people or have a small meeting where everybody shows up because they want to be there than to be in a large meeting where they're just like, well, let's go see who's on stage and they're watching their clock and they're waiting to get out of there and, and the same with ministry. I'd rather partner with a handful of people that, um, like you said, that you could, um, you can trust with your life and that you would put your life down for than to be in a large, large organization where you don't even know the people. I feel the same way about church. I'd much rather go to a small church where I know everybody and everybody would sacrifice and give for me and I'll sacrifice and give for them than to be lost in a huge mega church where you don't even know the person sitting next to you. So I agree. Good yeah. point. Yeah. And, and there's something, you know, before we end this podcast, I just, I want to redirect this conversation really quick because I think that this is important. There's a lot of people that ask me about the tours. Um, and whenever people give tour, you know, kind of debriefs, right? They usually talk about the good, but not the bad and the ugly. And without giving any names, without pointing out ministries or anything, I think we met one of the ugliest situations that I've come across in doing a Brother Yun tour. Now, uh, what I find interesting is that when people come to me and they ask me about, you know, hey, 
Why do you think the Great Commission hasn't been completed? What do you think we need to do in order to complete the Great Commission? One of the things that I usually share with them is how few resources actually leave the church in the West and go to the area that needs it the most. And that's what we want to do at Back to Jerusalem. We want to be a part of that new apparatus of redirecting funding uh, from the church that is with the resources to the church that needs the resources. And so we have been a part of that apparatus and been very thankful to, to do so. However, we have seen the ugly side of ministry. And I'm, I just want to start this off and I kind of want you to fill in the blanks. I will give the broad strokes here from what I understand. I was not there. You were. So you'll be able to give more details. But in one instance, there was a church on this tour that invited Brother Yun to come and speak. Now, anybody that ever wants Brother Yun to come and speak, it's very, very easy. You don't have to promise anything. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to promise big crowds. You don't have to promise big. There's just three things that we ask. Three very simple things. One, we can share about the Back to Jerusalem vision. Two, we can make materials available to those that would like to learn more about Back to Jerusalem if people want them. And three, we can raise funding for the projects that we are focused on at the time. Those three things indicate partnership for us. And all of the churches agree before we take on the church. On this tour, and this has happened before, um, not as blatant as it did on this trip, but it has happened before several times before. And actually this is the reason I've kind of come in and helped with the whole U S setup is because this is kind of what we were facing at the beginning of setting up the back to Jerusalem meetings when brother Yun's book first came out in 2003. And that is churches that wanted to use a voice from China to raise money for the church. There are churches in the West that would like to use persecution to be able to raise money for their own needs. And in this situation, we had a domestic ministry that wants to build a church building. They don't have one. And they kind of seen inviting Brother Yun as a way to bring recognition to their ministry. They made that very clear at the meeting, from what I understand from you. And then they made an embarrassing plea for finances uh, to be able to support their ministry. Uh, and their ministry was not really so much about reaching the unreached, but about them getting off the ground in the U.S., building a building and doing all of the things that it takes to do a domestic ministry in the U.S. Um, did I miss anything? Did I misrepresent anything? No, um, I think you hit it pretty close. And I need to say that um, also we are not here to tear down any ministry. And if they're listening, you know, our um, our heart goes out to you. We love you guys. Um, but as I tell my kids, you know, I, I think there was a lot of miscommunication that went between us. And I'll take credit for all the things that I should have communicated better in setting up the um, the conference and the meeting. But, but you're right. It really felt to me like it was more of a promotion of, their ministry, their organization, than it was of we want you to guys come in so we can bless you, which is what we really feel at most of the churches. The churches are just so happy to have us there and um, just want to do everything they can to serve Brother Ulan and to get behind the vision of Back to Jerusalem because Back to Jerusalem is a vision. It's not um, an organization making money off of us going out and, and sharing. We don't financially benefit anything personally from being there. Uh, the organization doesn't financially uh, benefit anything, but it all goes on tour. 100% of every dollar 
goes to a project, and this project was um, raising money for the Pill Bible. And so it really felt to me that there was a really um, missed opportunities for that vision to get passed on to the people, for people to contribute to it um, through a series of unfortunate events. We never got to put up our slide to give people opportunity to sign up for our uh, newsletter. People who wanted to continue to get more information about Back to Jerusalem and that vision. We didn't get to announce our book table, so we had a lot of books left over and a lot of people that I think that would have been blessed by the information didn't get it. So I think there were a lot of really missed cues that I probably should have picked up on from the beginning, but it really was... Um, I think missed opportunities. Okay, I, I think I, I want to jump in here. I think that's you being nice. I, I think that you did all of I these meetings. Nice. <laughs> I am being very yep. nice because you did all of these we meetings. Agreed, we it was agreed a, to let the past in the past and move forward. At so the I am very being least, very nice. at the very least, uh, Will, it was a gentlemanly agreement. I mean, there was a handshake. It was a gentlemanly agreement. Even in the secular world, this would not have gone over well. And one of the things that I thought was really awesome, Brother Ren just arrived in Brazil and he and I were able to talk about it a little bit. But this guy that did the invitation, he gets up and makes a long, drawn out, uh, heartfelt plead for as much money as people can donate to uh, him to be able to get this church up and off the ground in the United States. And he made a quote and he kind of stamped it as the the quote of his entire time which was we need money if you the more money we have the more ministry we can do more money more ministry more money more ministry and brother Ren got up and I'm so proud of him in in a godly sense so excited that he got up and in a loving way did a soft correction but a bit of a spiritual spanking that brother actually it's more prayer, more ministry, not more money, more ministry. And I think that that was spot on with our DNA, with who we are. But that whole event Absolutely. just soured um, in our mouth and it soured in our stomach because then there became kind of an awkward moment between you and the key person there that had certain demands uh, upon us as the organization that we weren't meeting for them and they were actually putting our people at risk security wise when brother Ren was introducing a very sensitive part of our ministry and previously it was agreed that they would not do the filming and um, they continued to film anyway and put really uh, the safety of our back to Jerusalem missionaries and our projects at risk so yeah, yeah. This that was, was actually the worst part for me, where I got kind of set off. And uh, bless Brother Ren because he has a way of very graciously speaking to people and putting them in their place. I'm not quite so gracious, and when I speak, it causes to cause um, fire and um, negative responses. And so um, I must admit, you know, I was quite angry, and it wasn't righteous anger, and uh, I had to work through that and get over it. But it was. I mean, they were recording right after they had agreed and said that we wouldn't do it. And I had to go to and get one of the workers to actually shut it down. And they were very hesitant to shut it down. And I said, listen, if you don't shut it down right now, I'm going to have to go on stage and take the speaker off. And at that point, they finally did go and shut it down. But that's where most of the conflict came out of that. To me, um, it was very disheartening. 
it was I, I had to deal with a lot of anger. I have to confess it. I wish it was righteous anger, but it wasn't. But the thing that came out of it for me was Brother Un was not aware of all this going on. He got to share with the church. He got to connect with a lot of people from the church. I think we could have done better there. I think there's a lot of people that missed opportunities that would have loved to have connected with the church, but, but God knows. And then God knows. Absolutely. We've, yes. we've got some web connections that came out of it. Yes. Um, some donations actually from people that were there that went to our website and made donations. And so. And I the only thing that we can really do in the, this situation. Cool about this, I don't know if Brother Ren shared this with you or not, but yeah, this please. was one of the, it's a, a Chinese church. It was one of the churches that has caused the most conflict uh, against Brother Un in the past. And the lead pastor was there sitting with him at the front. The people from the congregation were there and were listening to everything he said and just loved on him. And so I think it was a very positive as far as our connection with the church there. Um, unfortunately, the connection with the organization or the ministry that invited us and just used that church as a place um, didn't go so well. Yeah, and, and you know, for people that have worked together with Back to Jerusalem before in the past, we're pretty... I, I think, I mean, of course I'm biased, but I think that we are pretty easy. We, I often tell people, we get in where we fit in. You tell us, what is the culture of your church? How do you want us to, to deliver the message? And we try to adapt ourselves to whatever the church asks of us. And we go from, you know, conser- I've said this many times, conservative Amish to more radical apostolics and everything in between. Um, you, you know, from Russian Orthodox to Romanian, uh, state church to Lutheran state church in Sweden and Norway to, uh, you know, small little churches in Pakistan and Indonesia. So we're used to working with a wide variety of believers and in our differences, we can appreciate that and love that. But. One of the challenges I think with our church culture in the West is the idea that we do kind of parrot this idea, even if we don't say it like this brother did that uh, you guys unfortunately had to come face to face with. There are a lot of people that do think more money, more ministry, more money, more ministry. And that is so sad and heartbreaking. It really is. And in the mission world, it's where a lot of, you know, you get a lot of false reports, you get a lot of glorified things, you get a lot of um, people that will make up stories or exaggerate stories. And a lot of that comes out of that because the push is just for recognition and for money. But I have to um, agree with you, um, Eugene, that we are so easy to work with. We'll make suggestions based upon our years of experience of going on tour of order that works better and things like that. But we're never going to, like, push our way and say it will be this way or we're not going to do it. We work with each situation and every situation that comes, and we are, I think, probably one of the most flexible organizations and speaking people that anyone can have in because we'll we'll work with the church. We'll um, we'll go with the flow. If it's an hour of worship, if it's ten minutes of worship, you know, if the offerings at the beginning or at the end, we'll go with it. And we guarantee during a tour. That the money that we raise on the tour, 100% of those funds are designated for the projects that we say. So none of the money Absolutely. actually stays in. And that really is possible. People ask, well, how is that possible? How are you doing that? You're taking it from somewhere. One of the things that we have been so blessed with, so incredibly blessed with, are people from around the world that are gatekeepers, 
that come on month after month after month supporting the Back to Jerusalem efforts. And we also have people that just feel, for whatever reason, to donate to Back to Jerusalem. And then they mark it down where needed most. And what that does is that covers for our expenses when we're traveling and we we do travel as inexpensive you know as we can um within reason i mean we're not hitchhiking um we're not ywam <laughs> youth without money but we we are um we we are an, an organization that you know brother yun as well known as he is the guy flies economy on every flight um, he flies with the cheapest airline, so he doesn't really have miles with anybody. Well, he has miles with everybody, but nobody. Kind of one of those situations where he's got a little bit yeah. here, a little bit there, but no real status with anybody to speak of. Um, he, we stays, he stays at reasonable hotels. Um, we, there are just so many, and the guy, you know, skips a lot of meals. So we save money on food from his fasting habits. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah. it has been, an amazing experience working together with Brother Yun and Brother Ren on the mission field and seeing how they are so careful with the expenses of uh, the ministry because they know that they're handling donations that have been given by people that are hoping to make a difference in the kingdom. And so we we take that responsibility seriously and handle it with fear and trembling before the Lord and ask the Lord to please and we, and we have several different checkpoints along the way to make sure safeguards to make sure that no one individual has. In, so if you try to try to go up to Brother Yun during a U.S. tour or try to come up to me during a U.S. tour or anybody on the B2J team, do this. Test us. Try to come up and give somebody a personal donation and say, here, this happens all the time. The Lord has told me to give this to you. And I want to bless you and your family. This is for, you know, you to take your wife out. This is just for you. This is for your personal use. We've taken the Billy Graham rule on that and we don't touch any personal offerings at all. 100% of everything that's donated, even if you give it to us, we will let you know if we get the chance. If we don't get the chance to tell you, I can tell you here and now that 100% of all the money that comes in, if you slip Brother Yun money or you slip me money, that money will go to the person handling the funds and it goes straight to the donation box uh, for the 100% going towards the resources where everything is counted together. Yeah, that actually happened several times in this store where um, one of the churches said we wanted to give a check to uh, Brother Yun and I said, well, you can, but it's going to go right into the offering. And so they made it out to the offering and said... And uh, another brother came back to the table and he had a handful of cash and said, uh, you know, I'd like to give this to Brother Un. And I said, well, you can, but it's going to end up coming back into the offering. And he so he just put it in the uh, basket at the book table. And so you're exactly right. That's how we handle things. Um, we also don't charge a fee at all. So Brother Un, um, Brother Ren, there's no fee to bring them in to come speak. And so the only thing that is is asked, as you said, is those three things that we get to speak that we get to do an offering um, and raise funds for that project. And so there's nothing else where there's no other benefits we get out of it other than seeing the kingdom of God advancing. Yes. And, and praise God for that. Because we... too, um, brother Ren and brother Un, it's such a blessing to travel with those brothers. And I've had the occasion um, several times to be able to travel with them and to take them from location to location. And the people that you see in front of church, up in the front of the church speaking, are the exact same people that are sitting in the car with you or sitting at the restaurant with you 
they're not different people. I've, I've traveled with people in the past where they would get up in front of the church and speak, and then you would get in the car and start driving down the road, and it's like, oh, my goodness, who are you? Are you the guy in front of the church, or are you the guy sitting in this car? And when you're traveling with these brothers, who they are in front of the church is who they are in the car. Yeah. And um, just to go back to the finances really quick so that people are aware of this, um, not when people invite Brother Yun or the Back to Jerusalem team, including myself, back to Jerusalem, they don't have to worry about the air tickets, the, the car, the pickup, the hotel, the food. All of that is actually covered by B2J. It's just those three things that we ask. And even the book sales. Even the book sales that we make available, 100% of all the revenue that we bring in from the book sales also goes towards that same vision that we are sharing. So a lot of people are not aware of that. Oftentimes, you know, ministries, and it's not right or wrong. We're not saying that our way is better than another way. We're just letting you know as our supporter that's listening to this podcast, even our book sales 100% goes to the, the ministry. So no royalties you know, goes to anybody. The thing I really love about that, Eugene, is we've had so many people come to our table that's, that just stand there and they look at books and it's like, would you like a book? And they're like, yeah, but I don't really have anything to give. And we've been able to bless them and say, you know what? Praise God. It doesn't matter. We Praise want you God. to have a book. And yes. We've given out so many books to people that had nothing to give and we were able to bless them. And whenever we can bless other people, that blesses us. Yes. Absolutely. Because we know that there are people that are coming to the book table. They may not have two dimes to rub together. We know that there are people that are going through their own financial challenges. They have their own issues in life. Maybe they've lost a job. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe they don't have enough money to pay alimony for child support. We know that there are people that have um, bills and medical conditions that require... I mean, you know the situation with healthcare right now in America. It's an absolute nightmare. It can make people go broke overnight over you know ailments that should not be you know wiping out their entire savings but it does and so they come to the book table and they're like i love this ministry i love what you guys are about i want to know more but you can see that there's this there's this angst like i don't have anything to give for the book and if it's so amazing um to be able to say here take these books and here's the thing if you're ever at our book table and you don't have money to donate know this Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. When you take a book from B to J, we are not giving you charity. It's not a charitable donation to you. You don't have to feel like, oh, I'm getting you know a ministry, uh, a ministry version of welfare. By you taking that book, you become a living, walking, talking testimony to the underground church inside of China. You become a megaphone for their cause for their suffering, for their challenges, and you become a partner in completing the Great Commission and fulfilling the very command that Jesus has given to all of us. So by giving you that book, we are making an investment when we know that it will come back a hundredfold, that you will be praying for our ministry if you know how to pray better. You will be supporting our ministry if you know what we are about. You will be sharing about what the Chinese church is doing in some of the darkest regions of the world if you are better informed. And the most important, you will be able to tell people about the most unreached areas of the world with the idea that by knowing more, we can do more. Yes, absolutely, and it's um, it's such a privilege and such a blessing to be a part of that, and to be on tour and to see the people being blessed, and 
and giving them the opportunity. I mean, we can only present the opportunity and then each individual has to decide what they're going to do with it. Are they just going to take it and sit it on the shelf or are they going to move ahead? Yeah. And it's not us. I mean, we're not trying to get people to come on board with Dr. Drew. So we're trying to get people to come on board with the vision. Pray for the Chinese church. Pray for the, the work that God's doing. Pray for the Muslims and the Buddhists and the Hindus that haven't heard um, the gospel. And if you have a church or an organization that's doing as good or a better job than we are, by all means, you know, give to them and work absolutely. with them. We just want yes. to see the kingdom advance. Yes, absolutely. Brother, I'm I'm so thankful that I know that you just got back after a tiring tour. You're you're back with your family now. I don't want to disturb that time too much. Thank you for taking the time out and joining us on this Back to Jerusalem podcast again. It was great talking to you. It was. It was really good talking to you. It's been a blessing again, and I trust that the next two days in um, Brazil go amazing. Oh man, I already got a feeling it's going to be it's going to be a, yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about it. All right. God bless you, brother. Take I'm, it easy. I'm just a bit jealous that I'm not there with you, but I'm blessed <laughs> to you all. Yeah, thanks. And thank you for joining Ooh. us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Brazil. God bless you.